What is going on everyone? It is Mason Pierce here, host of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And I want to let y'all know about a little secret, and it's called Anchor by Spotify. It is one of the new and easiest ways to make your own podcast with everything you need all in one single place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the comfort of your phone or computer. And also, when you are hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and whatever platform you choose to post it on. It's everything you need to make a podcast in just one single place. And the best part of all, Anchor is totally free to use. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Get started creating your own podcast or start hosting on a very up-and-coming new platform. Yo, what's going on, Cover 7 family? It is your host, Mason Pierce, and we are back at it again with another episode of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. Guys, this is episode 34, and and in today's episode, we'll be talking about um, University of Utah and their football program and these really cool helmets that they just got custom made in honor of two, you know, fallen teammates these past couple years, so we'll get into that a little bit later on. We're also going to discuss a couple NFL news. Not really too much has gone on in the NFL. And then we'll discuss some opening day stuff and, you know, some other little cool MLB news later on in the episode. So, guys, before we do get into today's episode, I want to ask you to please make sure that you are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce. Link will be down in the description. And as always, let's get right into today's episode. Now, guys, the first thing I want to talk about with y'all is the University of Utah and their football program. Now, in case you don't know, there's a former running back and former wide receiver who were both friends growing up in high school, and they both went to Utah, to the University of Utah, to you know continue their collegiate and you know academic careers. And in December of 2020, you know after um, Ty Jordan had just got announced to be the uh, Pac-12 Offensive Freshman of the Year, you know really huge honors to get, especially at the Division One level. He decided to go back home to Mesquite, Texas, which unfortunately Mesquite does have a lot of violence. But in this case, it wasn't any type of violence that was involved because after reports had come out regarding um, Ty Jordan's death, it came out there was an apparent an accidental you know, shot to his abdomen that ended up killing him. He was only 19 years old, unfortunately. It was really sad at the time because he had so much football and just so much life ahead of him, most importantly. Now, he had so... The season before, which was the COVID year, he tallied 723 yards from scrimmage and six touchdowns in only five games. Because if you do not remember the Pac-12, they only played conference games. And I think they only played like six or five conference games anyway. So obviously, really short sample that Utah actually got out of him. But obviously, it was really sad seeing a, just in, in, a life get lost. And especially to, to another gunshot wound, whether it was self-inflicted inflicted whether it was you know from someone else I mean I, I really hope and now I haven't fully dived into the details of the whole accident because it's been a year or two since the last time I read about it but if I remember correctly I don't think it was suicidal I think he was just messing around with a gun you know and obviously it ended up you know ending his life so it really was tragic but the University of Utah this past season they decided to honor Ty Jordan and give his best friend in high school Aaron Lowe both coming out of West Mesquite High School um, Aaron was a three-star recruit coming out of high school and obviously ended up going to Utah probably because his best friend in high school Ty Jordan went there um, he played 11 games in 2019 all were on special teams same in 2020 he played in five games all were on special teams 
and actually in 2021 during the regular season he was given the number 22 jersey which was you know Ty Jordan's number originally before you know he did tragically pass away and you know Aaron played most of the season wearing the Ty Jordan number and he was the first recipient of the Ty Jordan Memorial Scholarship as well which was awesome so it was really amazing to see them honoring Ty, but unfortunately, tragedy ended up striking once again, and it was just horrible because late October of 2021, nearly the one-year anniversary of his best friend's death, Aaron Lowe would tragically be shocked at a party after an argument and a confrontation happened with another, I guess, guy who wasn't even originally invited to this house party, and there was multiple fights that reportedly happened throughout the night at the party, and then it just continued to get worse and worse and worse. But but luckily, a couple of days after, the investigators and police originally arrested the guy who was involved in um, Aaron Lowe's death, and it just seemed like tragedy struck anyone who wore the number 22 for the Utah Utes. So later on in October of 2021, the same month that Aaron Lowe was tragically killed, the University of Utah decided, hey, we're going to officially retire the number 22. Not because, you know, we don't want anyone to forever remember the legacy of these guys, but it's just in the best interest for everyone that we do retire them. So it was it was really hard. I know for Utah fans and Utah community and a lot of people in the West Mesquite community, it was really difficult because these guys had great careers ahead of them. They had great lives ahead of them. They had family that loved them, and unfortunately their lives were tragically taken due to dumb reasons so but nothing less some you know light-sided news i guess to this whole situation the university of utah they actually decided to release these hand-painted painted and crafted helmets that have both players on each side of the helmets and they're gonna they're gonna wear them for at least one game this season to honor both ty and aaron i think this is amazing by utah in case you haven't really ever watched Utah football or you're not, like, huge on college football like a lot of us are, Utah always has amazing uniforms. But the fact that they really took the time and actually perfected these helmets, and, I mean, I have the video on the official Instagram of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast, but if you don't feel like going there, just look up the University of Utah, their football program, and they'll have, I think it'll probably be on the top part of their timeline or whatever it might be. They are absolutely beautiful helmets. I love the fact that they are going to be honoring these two great souls who were taken from us way too early, in my opinion. They were both super talented and great human beings, so nothing less. I hope both of them do rest in peace, and I'm so happy they will be at least remembered in numerous ways. So I I think that's just really cool. I mean, that kind of made me a mini Utah fan, and I know TCU and Utah, they used to have all those Mountain West battles back in the day, but... I mean, this is just awesome what they're doing for these guys who are local kids. I mean, I live down in Fort Worth, so Mesquite's practically just a 30-minute drive. So, I mean, this really hit close to home considering my grandfather and a lot of his family, they were raised in Mesquite and Duncanville and that whole area over there. So, nothing less. It was really sad news, but I'm glad that the story continues to become better and better and better for everyone. Now, Get on to get on to some more really lighthearted news, and you know, kind of get off of the not depressing, but just the really unfortunate news. Um, it's actually a really funny video, and this happened. I think it was on Wednesday. I want to say, four-star wide receiver Jonte Cook. He was taking a visit to the University of Texas. He was kind of touring all the facilities they had, and when he got to the the trophy rack, you know, where Texas has all their trophies and national championships, whatever it might be. He actually said, and I'm just going to kind of do the PG version of it, 
damn, there's only swimming trophies. There ain't nothing for football. That's pretty much summed up what he said. If you want to check out the video, obviously you can look it up on Twitter, Instagram, Google, or, you know, if you want to, you can go check the TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce Podcast. Anyway, but yeah, he kind of was slight diss in Texas on his official visit to the University of Texas. But it really does kind of open the question, what has Texas football done since the Vince Young era? And you could say, yeah, when Colt McCoy was there and they were doing okay, you know, winning the Big 12 consists consistently. But at the same time, even then, they still were not that successful. They never really won any major bowl games. I mean, really, the last year that um, – that Texas football genuinely had major success would be the Vince Young era. And Colt McCoy, yes, he brought them to many 9-3, and 10-2 seasons, and that is good. But for how much hype Texas has and how much money they spend on that program and the fact these past couple years they haven't won more than like 9-10 to 10 games in a season the past half a decade or so, that's insane for Texas football, whose standard is one of the highest, probably up there with Alabama. And the fact that Texas this year isn't even projected to win more than eight games at most, and they're expected to finish like fourth or fifth in the Big 12 is insane. Now, for a team like TCU, which this is my team, that's not shocking. I'm really saying for our ceiling this year, it probably is eight to nine wins. If we even eclipse eight wins, I would be super happy. But for a team like Texas, that should be their floor. When you've got guys like Quinn Ewers, Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy, uh, Billingsley from Alabama. I mean, you have all these weapons, and even the defense has slowly started to get better because they're probably going to end up landing TCU transfer linebacker O'Shawn Mathis probably here soon considering, you know, he has ties to Gary Patterson. So it's just one of those things where it's like, how much longer can people continue to really give Texas this excuse for, oh, well, the coach is the problem. Obviously, the coaches aren't always the problem. And yes, you know, you can have a lot of talent, but if you don't know how to use the talent, it's just going to waste. And that another thing is when you can put the blame on the coaches, right? Like, obviously, Charlie Strong, that era was kind of weird because, yes, Texas really was not good at all. But also, at the same time, when you have Tyron Swoops as your starting quarterback, and then you have a converted wide receiver as your quarterback, it's not really that good. And obviously, I don't think Charlie was given a really full, you know, chance kind of like how Steve Sarkeesian is but obviously if Steve Sarkeesian has another five and seven six and six year at Texas you're really gonna start to question okay what is going wrong with the University of Texas and their football program because obviously something needs to change in order to get them back to a winning culture and yes they made a lot of great hires obviously the Gary Patterson hire which it hurts me to say was a good hire for Texas they need help on the defensive side of the ball. And getting a guy like Gary Patterson, who is, in my opinion, one of the greatest defensive college football coaches of all time, getting him into that program who really does not have anyone to help is fantastic. And, yes, he's not the defensive coordinator, but it allows Gary to solely focus on the thing that he has mastered. And hopefully it will help Texas. Because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I do want to see Texas at least be good or relevant. But, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that they need – Something has to change. And another thing, the Quinn Ewer situation, I know a lot of people have been wondering about it. Apparently, just from Steve Sarkeesian, Quinn is starting to impress a lot more. And he's you know, he's not like neck-to-neck -neck with Hudson Card anymore. He's kind of emerged as the QB1. If that is true, that is great for Texas that they really finally have found a starting quarterback. But do not get your hopes up because, once again, this is just spring ball. 
until we see him play Alabama week two. And yes, they're playing at UT, but when you play an Alabama defense that is as stacked as that, and you're playing an All-American cornerback in Elias Ricks and an All-American linebacker in Henry Toyoyo, or I probably butchered that so bad, but kind of like a Manti Teo type linebacker, if you remember the former Notre Dame great. It's just, I really, I really want to see this UT team play against real competition, and obviously games like Oklahoma, probably Baylor this year as well. Now, I know Baylor's not going to be the same Baylor that they were last year, but they'll still be really competitive, and even TCU, because Texas has Texas always struggles against these small teams that they should blow out 30 nothing. So I'm going to kind of you know jump off the rant against Texas, but I just really want y'all to understand that you have a right to give Texas a lot of crud because they really have been disappointing. And when recruits are starting to notice that, that, hey, this isn't a winning environment because when your only trophies you're putting up are swimming trophies, then, yeah, you have a problem, especially for a school that prides itself on its football program. So, but um, guys, that is actually it for the college football news. There hasn't really been too much crazy news. I mean, I'm kind of more waiting until spring games come out and we can kind of discuss some of the evaluations that we see, you know, especially regarding a lot of quarterback rooms. I know the Florida quarterback room with guys like Jack Miller, you know, obviously Anthony Richardson, it's really stacked right now. And at least in my opinion, a really underrated topic that we're not talking about as much the Ole Miss Rebels, their running back room. Because in case you don't know, Ole Miss just got SMU starting running back Ulysses Bentley a couple weeks ago from the transfer portal, which now puts their running back room at a kind of awkward position because there is so much talent now. And I'll just read you off some of these names. You have former five-star Zach Evans, the TCU transfer. You have former um, standout running back at SMU, Ulysses Bentley. You have senior running back Isaiah Woolyard. You have freshman running back Quinshawn Judkins from Alabama. You've got you've got junior running back Kentrell Bullock, who pretty much was going to be the running back one if none of these guys came in. So it's just an insanely crowded running back room now because there's there's just not going to be enough, you know, there's not going to be enough reps and there's not going to be enough plays for these guys to properly spread the ball out among each other. Like I definitely would expect at least a couple of these guys to transfer possibly Isaiah, possibly um, Quinshawn, maybe even Control. I really would not be shocked. So definitely in the next couple of weeks, depending on how spring ball goes, because you never know, Zach might completely funk, and he might end up going way down the depth chart and probably end up transferring again because he'll probably end up, you know, re- you know, he'll, he'll probably regret transferring from TCU. But nothing less, I do hope that they kind of get it figured out because is that a really, really, really talented running back room that Ole Miss currently has. And I think Lane Kiffin deserves a lot of respect and a lot of recognition for what he has done to assemble just all the talent on that team, whether it was getting Jackson Dart and and Michael Trigg from USC, you know, the tight end quarterback duo, which I think is absolutely fantastic because we've seen what Lane Kiffin has been able to do, especially with Matt Corral, you know, the the pretty much the first-round pick he turned him into these past two years. So, Nothing less. And then kind of the final college football thing I want to say before we before we do switch off to um, some NFL stuff, the LSU quarterback room situation they got going on right now. Because in case y'all don't remember, former Arizona State standout quarterback, Jaden Daniels, he transferred to LSU after, you know, ASU kind of just – that program's kind of just stunk recently. I definitely think Herm Edwards is on his way out sooner or later because 
his coaching staff just kind of seems to just not care what players do. Like, there's no leadership. There's no control. So, I obviously, the smart move Jaden did was to leave. Initially, it looked like Missouri was going to end up landing him. You know, it, uh, there's multiple false reports that were saying, like, hey, you know, he's signing his letter of intent or his, um, his uh, like, enrollment letter to Missouri, which obviously I made sure not to report on because I figured it was probably false, which it ended up being false. So, but he didn't end up – he did end up landing with LSU and Brian Kelly, which I think was a great fit regardless because LSU kind of had some quarterback troubles last season. So getting a guy like Jaden Daniels and the extreme talent and mobility he brings along was huge. But now it kind of lands him in a weird position now because they have four quarterbacks that could possibly start at any school in the country with guys like a redshirt senior Miles Brennan, redshirt freshman Garrett Nussmeyer, and then um, – true freshman Walker Howard who just got recruited very heavily by Brian Kelly so now it kind of puts at a really awkward position because Miles stayed at um he stayed at LSU because Max Johnson he ended up transferring to Texas A&M you know pretty much solidifying the fact hey I'll get one final year to you know truly prove myself that I was worth being you know Joe Burrow's predecessor but obviously things didn't really pan out whether it was injury related or just play on the field he never really showed out like he was supposed to so obviously, Jaden Daniels will probably end up getting first-team reps. I haven't really heard too much from the um, from the LSU spring ball, their side of you know where the um, depth chart kind of is right now. I've seen a couple depth charts that have Miles Brennan ahead of Jaden Daniels, but I really don't believe that simply for the fact Brennan Miles or Miles Brennan he's really struggled a lot recently these past couple of years. Like I really don't think that you know he truly should be getting first team reps and maybe he is just because he knows the system a lot better right now and that's probably why he's listed on a lot of people's depth charts as quarterback one simply for the fact you know Jaden just transferred to LSU a couple weeks ago so that's kind of the one last thing I want y'all to definitely keep y'all's eyes on is currently the LSU quarterback situation because that is definitely going to be huge to look out for but nothing less guys that is it for today's college football news now let's get on to some NFL news, and we actually really do not have that much NFL news. I mean, these past couple episodes, it's felt like we've had everything in the world to talk about regarding the NFL, but things have kind of slowed down. There hasn't really been any crazy signings. There hasn't been any crazy trades. You know, there's been a lot of reported things going on between Debo Samuel and the 49ers. He deleted all 49ers content off his Instagram, quit following them, took them off his profile picture, kind of doing what Kyler Murray did, but just not as dramatic. Uh, I don't think anything bad will happen. I think it's just a contract extension scare, kind of to tell the 49ers, hey, I want to get signed long term. You know, because obviously at that position and the utility tool he kind of is, injuries are going to be a really large concern going on later in his career, which I don't think a lot of people think about because the, he's kind of like a Christian McCaffrey for that team where he gets used, whether it's in the receiving game, running game. Heck, they almost probably use him at quarterback considering how bad Jimmy Garoppolo had been last year. So. Definitely something to continue to watch out for with the 49ers and Debo Samuel. But the first news we have is regarding the Atlanta Falcons. They have signed a longtime offensive lineman Jermaine Effidy to a one-year deal. Obviously, Jermaine's kind of been inconsistent his whole career, whether it was with the Seahawks or the Chicago Bears. But considering how bad the Falcons need O-line help, this is actually a pretty decent signing, and they're getting them at a really cheap price too. Uh, the next news we have is regarding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are signing linebacker slash safety kind of mix Keanu Neal to a one-year contract. Pretty much after Keanu Neal revived his career last year with the Cowboys, 
I really had hoped the Cowboys did, you know, keep him simply for the fact he was a really good third option at linebacker behind Micah and um, Layton, considering Jabril Cox tore his ACL early on in the year. But obviously that, that Jabril is back. They really don't have a use for Keanu, any, Keanu anymore, so obviously they let him walk. And Tampa Bay, you know, now that their they're linebacker court, so if they decide to really kind of put him more as the third linebacker in that defense, they will have Devin White, Levante David, and now Keanu Neal, all who are decently high draft picks and all who are super talented freaks. So definitely something for at least the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the defensive side of the ball. And not to mention, Keanu naturally is a safety. So if they need safety help, if obviously, you know, Logan Ryan needs, you know, Logan Ryan's kind of not playing like Logan Ryan normally did, whether it's with the Titans or the Patriots, they'll have Keanu Neal as well to be able to play in the safety position. So great signing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, it's only a one-year deal, but obviously it's kind of a similar situation with, you know, Debo Samuel, but on the defensive side, he can be used as a utility tool for the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. Uh, the next news we have is regarding the Denver Broncos. They are actually re-signing safety Kareem Jackson to a one-year deal. I was really shocked to see this considering the fact that I really thought they were going to, you know, kind of get rid of the Kareem Jackson era in Denver. Not because he really was bad. He really wasn't that horrible for Denver. I'd say he's probably a little bit above average. You know, not was a, was definitely not a stat machine. Didn't put up a lot of picks. Didn't put up a lot of deflections. But he was a really good veteran presence in the locker room. Great leadership guy. Obviously a longtime Texans player. But I guess simply for the fact that they have no, you know, other strong safety to replace him with. They're just going to keep him around for another year. I really don't mind it. I know Bronco fans are kind of like, oh, whatever. But, I mean, if Russell Wilson puts up the numbers he did with the Broncos like he did with the Seahawks the past decade and the defense can semi-play how they did last year, I think they'll be good. So, <laughs> Bronco fans, no reason to worry. Kareem Jackson is still a solid safety. Yes, he's not obviously like how he was in his younger younger years, but nothing less, he is still really good. And kind of the major news for the NFL the Houston Texans they have signed wide receiver Brandon Cooks to a two-year contract extension now the past couple days a lot of teams like the Jets the Cowboys even the Dolphins and Broncos like just a lot of teams have been calling about his status whether he was available for a trade we never really heard if he was we just knew that teams were calling about him which is not really shocking Brandon Cooks has kind of been passed around a lot in the league you know, once when he, I remember when he was drafted by the New Orleans Saints, he ended up getting traded to the Patriots. Played one year, obviously lost that year in the Super Bowl to the Eagles. Proceeds to get traded over to L.A. Does pretty good with Cooper Cup and all them. But once Robert Wood kind of emerged as that that starting wide receiver one for the Los Angeles Rams, the Rams said, "Okay, Brandon Cooks, who's on a huge contract, he's really talented, but we just it's too much of a cap hit." So they traded him to the Houston Texans, which it was kind of shocking to me because I knew the Texans at that time really were not that great. Yes, they did have Deshaun Watson and during the 2020, uh, 2019, was it 2020 season? Yeah, the 2020 season, um, Brandon Cooks and Deshaun Watson were absolutely, you know, I mean, you couldn't stop them. Deshaun obviously had 4,000-plus passing yards. Um, Brandon had 1,000-plus receiving yards. They were really good. I know the record does not show it at all, but really underrated duo at the time. And... It's kind of weird because I, I feel like this is a sign-and-trade situation. I know a lot of sources like Adam Schefter and all of them are saying, okay, well, it's officially staying in Houston. 
But I don't really think that's the case because the Browns also were calling about him too. And in case you don't remember, the Browns got rid of Jarvis Landry about a week or two ago. So getting a guy like Brandon Cooks, who's equal equal the skill, if not better, of Jarvis Landry. Yes, he's not as much of a utility tool, but is a, definitely a deep ball threat and is a speedster in my opinion, especially at his time in Oregon State. If you've never watched Brandon Cooks' Oregon State film, I definitely suggest watching it. Dude was incredible, but besides the point. Um, no, so definitely just watch out for a sneaky trade to happen between Brandon Cooks and another team. I do not think the Texans are going to keep him. They might, and I might be completely wrong. They might. I mean, when your other receiver is Nico Collins, which no offense to Nico, but you know they don't really have anyone else, and obviously they're trying to continue to move on with Davis Mills, you know, post Deshaun Watson era. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with Brandon because I still feel they're not going to keep him. But at the same time, there's also that other side of me that's like, you know what, they might actually simply for the fact they want to build something with Davis Mills. And if they do, that's great. Maybe that's another reason why Brandon did sign this contract extension because he sees a decent future with the Texans. And honestly, I think they have a brighter future than a lot of other teams in the league right now. Cough, cough, Jacksonville. But nothing less. <laughs> Definitely something just to continue to monitor going into these next couple weeks. Uh, the next news we have, it's regarding former um, Houston Texans first-round pick and Packers linebacker Whitney Merciless. Now, Whitney Merciless, he's kind of been an average-slash-above-average linebacker his whole career. Never really was flashy, never really put up any insane stats, but always a, but, but always was pretty much a very consistent linebacker. He's officially announced his retirement from the NFL after 10 seasons. So nothing less, congratulations, Whitney, on a great career. I grew up watching him, you know, obviously him, J.J. Watt, Kareem Jackson and all of them on that Texas defense. So nothing less, had an amazing career for what he was able to make out of it. So uh, the next news we actually have, and it's regarding the Arizona Cardinals. Now, it's not about, it's not about players. It's not about current coaches. So you're probably wondering, what is it actually about? Actually, it's about the Brian Flores lawsuit. So the t there's actually two people from the organization or that were used to be in the organization. They're actually joining Brian Flores in his lawsuit against the racial discrimination, you know, coaching meth or hiring methods in the NFL. And that is actually former Arizona Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes and defensive coordinator Ray Horton. Now, I've, I have seen a lot of people saying, oh, he's simply doing this because he had that one, he only had one year in Arizona and it completely flopped. He's trying to, you know, find his way back into the NFL somehow. I don't really agree with that. And obviously, the Brian Flores situation is sticky because I, I truly, I do believe that, you know, there, there is a lot of shadiness and a lot of racism that is involved because we know a lot of these NFL front offices, they're not going to hire guys if they're not familiar with them or if they're not, you know, grown from inside of the organization. Example, like the Cowboys, right? They're not going to hire anyone that's not a close family relative or friend. Example, the Jones family. So, I I completely, that's why I kind of want Brian, Brian's side more to this. And that's why I don't want to bring race or politics or anything into these podcasts. But these are things that need to be discussed because it's definitely a problem going on in the NFL regarding hirings. And I don't think they need to make a rule necessarily saying you need to hire one you know minority coach. Because that's going to make these guys not want to hire them. And I think it's sad the fact that we actually have to make a rule in order to allow every, anyone to be, you know, eligible to be a coach. Because Brian Flores and all these ama amazing African and even minority coaches that are in the NFL, 
are absolutely fantastic, and they have changed the way that the game is coached and played. Example, Mike Tomlin, the great Steelers coach. I, it's just sad the fact that we actually have to make a rule just to allow anyone to have a fair chance to become a coach in the NFL. So I really do hope that this lawsuit does expose the bad things that are going on in the NFL, and I really hope it does allow for us to continue to go in the right direction and not continue to go back in the wrong direction. So I'll keep it at that, but guys, definitely just continue to you know monitor the situation. And let's just remember it all. Let's try and keep everything positive. Let's not, you know, once again, let's not continue to go backwards. Let's only continue to go forwards, right? So... Besides that, that is all for today's NFL segment. Like I said, not really too much crazy news going on. But definitely when, you know, summertime starts, when preseason starts, we will definitely have a lot more news. Now, guys, for the MLB side of today's news, opening day finally happened on Thursday. And I'm making this on Thursday night. So, obviously, I haven't watched, you know, the Astros and Angels, the Padres and Diamondbacks games. But I was able to watch, you know, the Royals and the um, Guardians game, and that was actually a really good game. We got to saw Bobby Witt Jr. in his um, first ever game in the MLB, and he actually put on a show. His first career hit was an RBI double. His defense was absolutely fantastic. He made an incredible throw from third to first, so definitely looks to have a bright future. Obviously, you know, not the same as his dad, who was an amazing pitcher throughout his career, but <laughs> nothing less was still cool. Zach Granke, long-time pitcher in the MLB. He did, you know, obviously signed back to the Kansas City Royals this past offseason, and he actually went through five and two-thirds innings with only five hits, one earned run, and one strikeout. So he officially starts the season with a 1.59 ERA, which is actually pretty impressive considering the fact Zach Greinke is 39 years old. And also, let's give another shout-out to Shane Bieber, who had Shane Bieber, who had a pretty impressive, you know, opening day start. He pitched four and two-thirds innings with three hits on one earned run and four strikeouts. And Shane also begins his 2022 campaign with a 1.93 ERA. So really impressive pitching from the two of them. I mean, it was crazy wind. I mean, the wind was like 30 miles an hour. Uh, not to add on top of that, it was raining and constantly going back and forth between, you know, sunny, rainy, sunny, rainy. And it was just, I personally, it was good just having baseball back. Another fantastic moment that we did have today was seeing Albert Pujols return to the St. Louis Cardinals. He got a huge standing ovation when he came out of the dugout. Absolutely amazing to see. Unfortunately for Albert, he went 0 for 5 today. So it wasn't impressive from the field. But nothing less, it was cool seeing the future Hall of Famer back where it all started. Now, the St. Louis Cardinals, though, on the other hand, they absolutely demolished the Pittsburgh Pirates, winning by a score of 0-9. And then for the um, Kansas City Royals game, the Royals actually ended up beating the um, the new Cleveland Guardians 3-1. to Some more scores we got the first game of Thursday was the Chicago Cubs versus the Milwaukee Brewers. The Cubs ended up winning that game 5-4. to and the, some games that are going on right now, we've got the Mets and Nationals. Mets are currently up 5-1. to one. Uh, The Reds and the Braves, the Reds are currently up 6-3 to three at the end of the 8th. And the Astros and Angels with the Astros currently up 1-0 to zero at the top of the 3rd. So it's it's just amazing to have baseball back. I'm excited to, um, to see my Texas Rangers take on the um, Toronto Blue Jays tomorrow up in Toronto as they come home to play Colorado next week. So it's just great to have baseball back. And we actually do have some baseball news to get into 
before I do let y'all go. Our first news to get into is regarding the Pittsburgh Pirates and their third baseman, Key Bryant Hayes. Now, in case you don't know, Key Bryant Hayes is one of the more up-and-coming third basemen in the league. Really impressive. He's a decent hitter. Obviously has great defense. And the Pirates decided, hey, he might be a franchise keystone for us these next couple years. You know, cough, cough, what they didn't do with Andrew McCutcheon. Anyway, besides the point, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they are signing Key Brian Hayes to an eight-year, $70 million contract extension, which actually makes him the highest-paid Pittsburgh Pirate in franchise history. Now, that's actually kind of insane to think that teams like the Yankees, who have given 10-year, $320 million contracts, you know, that that's not even the highest they've paid a guy. But for the Pirates, the highest they've ever played, paid a guy is eight is an eight-year, $70 million contract. I mean, that's just, it's just insane to think about. But for Key Brian Hayes, some of his stats, he has a career 280 batting average. He has a 432 slugging and a 772 OPS. And he's actually, real, I mean, he's, he's a really decent, when it comes, like, statistically-wise, he's a really great player. Uh, I haven't really watched too many games on him. I know that he was a great prospect for the Pirates a couple years ago, and obviously, the past I know in 2021 he started to get a lot more rec recognition. So the Pirates are kind of jumping on the fact, hey, we can keep him for at least eight more years of control before he does, you know, break out. I mean, he's five foot ten, 205 pounds. He's not the biggest guy, but he plays like an absolute stud. So nothing less. Congrats to Key Brian on getting the absolute bag from the Pirates. <laughs> And the next news we have is actually regarding former Cy Young winner and six-time All-Star and pretty much fan favorite, especially Yankee fans, CC Sabathia. Now, CC is being hired to be a special assistant to the MLB commissioner, obviously Robert Manfred. So, congrats to CC for being able to, I mean, be be an assistant for the, you know, Rob Manfred. Maybe he might be able to help Rob make some good decisions for once. So, <laughs> nothing less. Congrats on CC. You know, obviously, I hope we see him in the um, MLB Hall of Fame. Hopefully, see him in Cooperstown. But nothing less. Congratulations to you, CC. Then the final news, and this isn't really news. This is kind of just some interesting like topic I found on Instagram. This is actually true. The Atlanta Braves. So obviously, they have some of the most unique items you can buy concession-wise in any MLB. Um, stadium but actually they're actually selling an even more unique and super expensive item the Atlanta Braves they're selling a $151 Wagyu beef burger that includes fried eggs gold leaf wrapped foie gras grilled lobster tail tomato cheddar cheese and truffle aioli on a bun with parmesan fries now I never thought I would hear fried eggs and grilled lobster till together, especially tomato and cheddar cheese and just all that together in one. I don't that doesn't really sound that appeasing, but obviously if you like wagyu beef, if you like fried eggs, you like grilled lobster till, you can get it all in one. So just go to Atlanta Braves, go down to Truist Park and you you all you have to do is pay $151. So I think it's cool they're kind of spicing things up literally, but ugh. For 151, I I might stay away from that. But guys, I hope y'all really did enjoy today's episode. I really enjoyed making it for y'all. Before y'all do go, please make sure that you are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover Seven with Mason Pierce podcast at Cover Seven with Mason Pierce. I will leave a link down in the description below. And as always, guys, I hope y'all have a fantastic weekend. I hope y'all have a fantastic Friday. Make sure to continue to watch all this MLB baseball. Just soak it up, enjoy it. 
and I will see y'all back on Monday. Peace.